I'm excited this morning to get the opportunity to turn together to the Psalms again. And so we're going to take the next several weeks at Church of the Cross. We've done this some over the past few summers where we come back to the Psalms in the summertime and it's in kind of an ongoing series called the Songbook of God's People. The Psalms cover the whole range of human emotion and experience. And certainly we represent that range at Church of the Cross and it's uh, the reality is that we can be in all kinds of different places in our lives and our walks in faith. And the Psalms give voice and expression uh, to all kinds of places, to joy and lament, um, praise, despair. All of these things are found in the Psalms. And so they, they become for us a model of how to live and exercise faith in the midst of a broken world, um, how to begin to turn to God in the midst of challenging circumstances. And so they're a tremendous resource for us. In fact, if you struggle, and you've heard me give this advice before, but if you struggle with prayer, as most of us do, then I can't commend to you strongly enough the Psalms as a place to turn, to read them regularly. If you read five Psalms a day, that may seem like a lot, but if you read five Psalms a day, you can read all 150 Psalms in a month. Um, And that's a really good exercise and practice that many of the saints who have gone before us have practiced and can be incredibly strengthening to your faith. We all need that uh, because we all wrestle, as we'll talk some about this morning. Psalm 27 is where we're going today. So if you've got your Bible, open up to Psalm 27. It's a beautiful psalm about trust, which is at the heart of our Christian faith and the heart of our lives. And it ends with a, a wonderful exhortation. We read it already together this morning. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. That exhortation implies a couple of possibilities which are fairly straightforward and obvious to us when we think about our experience of walking with Jesus. Uh, Wait for the Lord. What does that imply? That implies that it's easy to get impatient. It's easy to kind of jump out of the pathway of faith and trust and step into a place of self-sufficiency, independence, and fixing problems on our own terms. Think about Abraham and Sarah. They're a great example, probably the best biblical example of this in Genesis 16. God had given them a promise, this promised son, this heir, and and the heir wasn't coming, and they were getting old, and they were past the age of childbearing, and so they invented a solution. It's easy for us to get impatient. The second possibility is in that middle expression, be strong and let your, heart, let your heart take courage. It's incredibly easy to be faint-hearted in the world in which we live and in our lives. We all experience all kinds of things that move us toward that place of faint-heartedness, whether it's opposition, a sense of kind of loneliness, the ongoing reality of the strength of ungodly desires in our hearts and minds, or unmet good and godly desires that don't get met in our lives, or trials, sicknesses, bereavement, all of these things contribute, or just the kind of drip, drip, drip of the mundane of daily life, which at times can be less than exhilarating. All of that can, can contribute to a kind of faint-heartedness. So some of you may be in these places here this morning uh, where you're tired, or impatient, having sought God on something and wanting him to act, or 
just faint-hearted, feeling like you're kind of on the verge. I talked to a young woman this summer when I was out in Colorado, and she told me that just the day before, her sister had told her that she was giving up on Jesus, had been to Rwanda for some travel and done, seen some things there that just didn't sit well. And so having given it a try after re-entering the States, I don't know, nine months before, had finally come to this place where she said to her sister, who was also a, a, a believer, the woman I was speaking to, and just was like, I'm, I'm ready to give up. And maybe some of you feel like that this morning. This exhortation of Psalm 27, this last verse, be, uh, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. I hope, as we dig into this, that this exhortation will be a life-giving word to you this morning to encourage you to take heart, to have courage, to wait uh, upon the Lord. So this psalm does encourage us toward faithful waiting and toward strong and courageous hearts. And we want to just look at how in two ways um, this morning. The first thing that the psalm does and how it kind of ends up at this exhortation, is that it gives us the desperately needed perspective of faith. This is verses 1 through 6 of the psalm. The the tone of these verses is confident, strong, unwavering faith. And the, the the result of this faith in the life of the psalmist is the eradication of fear. We tend to think sometimes that the opposite of faith is doubt or unbelief, but more often than not, biblically speaking, the opposite of faith is fear, anxiety, and worry. Kind of wrapped up, all of those kind of bundle up part of our human experience. How many times, I think the most often command in the Bible is do not be afraid. And that, that would speak to this reality that the opposite of faith is really fear. And what the psalmist is saying in these first six verses is that we don't need to be afraid. There are two main fears I would submit to you in human life. One is the fear of harm. That is the fear that there are things out there in the world that can harm me or take certain things that I want or don't want to lose, take them away from me. And we all experience that fear in different ways. The, the ultimate end of the fear of harm is the fear of death, which is the ultimate harm. Um, death is that which takes our very life away. And I think in some ways the fear of harm or this trajectory of fear could be sum- summarized in a fear of death. A second kind of fear is the fear of unfulfillment. The fear that somehow I'll miss out on the fullness of life. That I won't really arrive, I won't really find you know, that which satisfies my yearnings and my desires. And often it's that fear that motivates the frenetic activity in our lives, where we move into careers or relationships or hobbies with that expectation that we're going to not be left unfulfilled. We're going to find what we are ultimately searching for and find contentment and satisfaction, fulfillment. So those two fears, the fear of harm and death, the fear of unfulfillment, I would say are the, the driving fears that if we looked in, into our hearts this morning, we'd probably say, yeah, those things are there in all of us in some ways, and, and legitimately so in many ways, because there are a lot of things that can harm us in the world. And there's a lot of times we feel pretty empty. So those are the realities. And the psalmist, it's interesting, as he addresses faith in these first six verses, calibrates that word on faith to those two areas of fear. The first area, that fear of harm and, and, uh, and even fear of death, are, are addressed right out of the bat. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? I mean, the, there's almost bravado in, this, in these next two verses. Listen to this. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me. Can you describe a more kind of harmful, violent environment against you? He says, um, yet I will be confident. The reason for this expression um, and then he continues in verse 5, when, those, <clears throat> when, when people come against me, um, or he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, he'll cover me under the cover of his tent, he'll lift me high upon a rock, and now my head, verse 6, shall be lifted up, my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, I will sing and make melody to the Lord. This is, this is something I've been preaching about for, if you've been around Church of the Cross for a while for, uh, consistently for the last six months. So if this sounds familiar, it is. Um, but the, the, the heart of this perspective is that, that God is my helper. God is on my side. God is in my camp. God is with me. So those are the first words of the psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He's rescued me. The Lord is my stronghold or my refuge. I take shelter in him. And because I'm in with him, because God is in my life, because God is on my side, because, God's, and because God has no limits on his power and no limits on his love for me, his being for us and care for us, because of those two realities, he's ultimately powerful, he's ultimately loving, because of those two things, I don't have to be afraid of that which could harm me. Because on my side, in my camp, is this being for whom there is no opposition in the world too strong that he can't flick it over with his little finger. And that's the perspective of faith. And so he says, I don't need to be afraid of harm or of fear. And then look at verse 4, which kind of comes to that fear of unfulfillment a little bit more directly. Not only is God protecting us from harm as our great defender, but he is also the fulfillment of our desires and our longings. This is one of the most beautiful verses in the Psalter. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What does he want? He wants to see God, to be with God, to draw near to God, to rest in his presence because he knows that it's the presence of God that is the ultimate satisfaction of any and every desire that a human being ever has. I want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. I find my delight in you and my satisfaction in you. And the heart of true biblical faith, the heart of faith knows that in God, everything that we long for is met. And therefore, we don't need to be afraid of going unmet in terms of our longings and desires, because life with God but without everything else is full and rich and beautiful and good. And life with everything else but without God himself, the maker of all those other things, life is empty and vain and futile. God is the ultimate fulfillment of your desires. And the psalmist gives us insight into that in verse 4. In some ways, you could say the history of, of humanity in sin, in rebellion against God, is the history of trying to squeeze from creation that which we can only find in our Creator. And so much of that is what motivates our activity and our movement in the world. So this is the perspective 
of biblical faith, strong and bold here in verses 1 through 6. God is on our side as our Savior, Defender, Protector. God is our ultimate fulfillment, and with Him we are not missing out. And in light of these realities, we can wait upon the Lord, be strong, and let our hearts take courage and wait upon the Lord. The fears of harm and unfulfillment are no longer dominant, no longer controlling. But what I love about the Psalms is they're human. And they, they, uh, they, they meet us where we are. And that's where, the, that's where this psalm takes us next, having made that bold assertion, which we desperately need to kind of walk into the exhortation of verse 14. We need to see the perspective of faith. God is on your side. God is for you. And God is your fulfillment. But then the psalm shows us how that faith is active and expressed in the midst of trial. And the psalm legitimizes for us the wrestling in our own hearts to believe that we all know to be true. In verse 11, the psalmist mentions uh, his opposition, because of my enemies, he says. And then in verse 12, we learn that false witnesses have risen against him and that they breathe out violence toward him. They're breaking the ninth commandment. Yes, do not bear false witness. And that is actually a a big way of bringing harm to people's lives. And they're doing this to him. And so he's in a situation of trouble and in trial. And in this situation, this circumstance, the confident declarations of verses 1 through 6 are transformed for us right before our very eyes into an impassioned plea for God to intervene on his behalf. The confidence is now because of trials in his life manifesting itself now in a very different way, in a different key. And I don't think we're taking too much license to hear notes of fear and of panic, of struggle even, in the tone of these petitions in verses 7 through 12. Hear me, he says, O Lord, be gracious to me and answer me. Hide not your face from me. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. My father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Give me not up, verse 12, to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. These deep cries, these impassioned pleas are wrestling with God, born out of the affirmations of faith, which is encouraging. We are not called as people, as God's creatures, to a life of stoicism to encounter trial and difficulty and kind of have this sort of pl- this, this placid look on our face as we just kind of rise above all the fray. That's not biblical faith. No, biblical faith is down in the weeds. It's down in the heart of trial and struggle. It's full of emotion. It's full of pleading before God. And it fuels this kind of pleading. This is what it means to wrestle faithfully, in the midst of unpleasant and unwanted circumstances, in the face of real and genuine harm in our lives. This wrestling is not impatience or faint-heartedness or unfaithfulness. On the contrary, this is faith exercising its muscle in the midst of trial. That's what you see in Psalm 27. This is what it means to wait upon the Lord, to be strong and let your heart take courage. It means this kind of faithful wrestling, rooted in faith, working toward faith. And it's this to which the psalm calls us. There are, of course, alternatives in the face of trial. There is movement toward fear, anxiety, and worry, and letting that consume us, becoming faint-hearted, 
There's taking matters into our own hands and kind of saying, God, you're not working in my time frame or in the way that I need you to, so I will work on my own and become my own savior, protector, and defender. And all of us, if we are honest and we look at our own lives and our own hearts, we kind of are all a big mix of a lot of these different responses to trial and tribulation. But the psalmist is trying to guide us and show us a better way, a faithful way to embrace the world in which we live and the trials that we face. The very name Israel means one who wrestles with God. The name of the people of God in the Old Testament, one who wrestles with God. And so to be a follower of Jesus to ha- is, means indeed to have faith in our lives. But the pathway to an expression of this faith in the context of trouble which is usually our context in a broken and fallen world, if the Psalms are for us an accurate guide, and if Psalm 27 is an accurate guide, the pathway to that faith is the wrestling of prayer, the passionate petitions to God, the God of all power, the God who loves us, the God who meets all of our longings. This wrestling is how faith is manifest. In fact, it kind of implies this in verse 13. We get the translation, uh, we read the ESV, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There is a footnote in the ESV which points to the more literal translation of this sentence, which is an unfinished conditional sentence, unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It kind of just hangs. And the implication of that sort of open-ended thing, had I not believed, or unless I believed, is that there's no way I could have prayed this way in my life had I not had this kind of conviction and faith. I couldn't have prayed to the Lord unless I had believed that he was for me. The psalmist says, My faith was the foundation and bedrock of my petitions. It's the starting place from which I cry out, and it's the ending place to which my cries lead me. We wrestle because we believe, but we wrestle also in the midst of our trials in order that we might believe more fully. In this wrestling of faith, our faith is strengthened. And that's what we see going on here with the psalmist. And we're called to this in the midst of a world of trial and trouble in our lives. This is what faith calls us to, this wrestling, which is an exercise of strengthening faith. This is what it means to wait upon the Lord in a very practical sense and to let our hearts take courage. It's to wrestle in faith, it's to wrestle from faith, and it's to wrestle to faith. We watch this happening around us frequently. As you, in the midst of trial and tribulation and a propensity toward faint-heartedness or impatience, as you come to gather with God's people on a Sunday, to hear his word proclaimed, to cry out to him in prayer, to feed at his table. You're wrestling in faith. As you go and spend time with a fellow uh, follower of Jesus in a place of difficulty and hardship, and as you just open up and share about your struggles and your trials, and you hear their exhortation and encouragement and, and, and words back to you, you're wrestling in faith. As you confront and face the realities of the hardships, and you're honest about those, and then choose to take them to God in prayer, even however desperate that feels, you're, you're wrestling in faith, from faith 
in faith and to faith. You're wrestling. That's what the life of the people of God is. It is taking these deep and beautiful affirmations of faith and working them into the real world life that we live in, into the nooks and crannies, the hard places, the shadows, and bringing them to bear on those things as you wrestle this out with God. And I love watching this as a pastor in this community and seeing God's people do this as we do day in and day out. That's what we do together. One more encouragement as I come to a close, to just as you seek to do this in your lives in the face of trouble and trial, as the psalmist encourages us to, it's beautiful to recognize that this wrestling is on display for us in the life of the most truly human being to ever live our Savior Jesus. In Gethsemane, facing trial and trouble, where is Jesus? Flat on his face, wrestling with the Father in prayer, crying out in these faith-driven petitions in the midst of trial. That cry of dereliction on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is not a cry of unbelief. It invites us into the whole of Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is a wrestling psalm, just five psalms before this one, a wrestling psalm in the midst of trial and trouble that ultimately prevails in the expression of faith and worship. Jesus' own life demonstrates for us the centrality of faithful wrestling as the way of faith in the midst of trial and trouble. That's the way that's opened up for us through the Psalms, and that's the way that's opened up for us through the life of Jesus. So be encouraged in this. Be encouraged to take this up in your lives this week. Finally, I want to just ask, does this mean that we will not get hurt? That harm or even death itself, will not come our way? And of course the answer to that question is no. Jesus suffered a painful, humiliating, and shameful death. Many of the apostles did too, right after him, and many, many Christians in the subsequent two millennia of church history have done so as well. And this is really critical. The reality is we need not fear these things that God in his inscrutable providence may allow us to walk through. Because as Jesus was raised on the third day, so too will we be raised with him. It, it's really this foundational belief and the rooted in the reality of res resurrection that fuels our ongoing faith and the fearlessness to which it leads. The early church was defined by its fearlessness in the face of death in the face of trials, even when opposing forces appear to win the battle that we're in. Faith acknowledges post the resurrection that in Christ God has won the war and that we are inseparable from him for all eternity in the future. Whatever trials that we may face, our future is resurrection. Our future is new and unending, eternal, bodily life in fellowship with the God whose presence satisfies all our desires. After he affirms this in 2 Corinthians 4 that we read earlier, in verse 14, Paul then says these wonderful words that I want to close with. He says, in light of that reality, that we will be raised with Jesus, 
having just described in verses 7 through 9 his own trials and tribulations and sufferings and hardships as a follower of Jesus. He affirms the resurrection, and then he says this, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And in that realm of eternity, all has been made well. All has been made secure. Whatever I encounter in the midst of these trials, they cannot take away this certain and sure future that I'm enjoying now in some very real ways, and I will enjoy bodily forever. So in light of that future, in the face of trial and trouble, wrestle faithfully. Wait upon the Lord. Be strong and let your hearts take courage in the face of trials. And wait upon the Lord.